Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Ve salatu ve selamu ala Resulillah. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men velah. Selamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuhu. We continue uh, tonight to uh, read Al-Mathnavil Arabi Nuri uh, of Seyyidi Badi'i Zaman Nursi. And uh, Brother Talha last, uh, last uh, few days was commenting on the methodology we are following. And he was saying that we should stick more to the text and read more of the text. And I was explaining to Brother Talha that the reason we are not sticking uh, to the text is um, the fact that there is a need for a lot of prolegomena or preliminaries without which it's very difficult to understand the book. And uh, though we have been doing very close line-by-line exegesis and and, uh, and unpacking many of the things in the sentences, so in a sense we were sticking maybe too much to the text, we did diversion and, and, uh, and uh, go into uh, many uh, sometimes rather abstract uh, concepts. But the purpose of all of that was to prepare ourselves for the actual reading of the text. So I will listen to your advice and hope that I will be doing more reading uh, of the Rasail, uh, sorry, the Matnab al-Arabi Nuri. One of the things I would like to say is that, you know, normally when people read Rasail al-Nur, they simply read the Rasail. And there might be a little bit of explanation, but it's mainly the Rasail themselves that they read. This is a different text. It's very packed. It's uh, it's very much an incubator, as we were saying, and a seedling of all the Rasail al-Nur. And there is a lot of unpacking to do as you as you study. So it's slightly different. It's uh, quite a bit different uh, than, than reading Rasail al-Nur. Also, I'm of the view, and this is my own personal opinion, um, that today there is a great need for the opening up of the reading of the Rasail al-Nur, meaning that we must not just stick with the text of the Rasail, but actually look at what other people are writing and saying, especially in the tradition. Because unfortunately, some people are so devoted to Badi'u Zaman Nursi Rahmatullahi Ali that they just stick with the text itself and are not even willing to read Imam Ghazali or Imam Rabbani, or, which was not the intention of Ustaz, I don't think, and uh, is not conducive to uh, the development and the, and the growth of the of the Nursi movement. So I believe that there has to be a lot of kind of opening up. And in some of the remarks I was making, I was trying to make the Mathnawi touch the horizon, say, of phenomenology at times, of, of uh, existentialism at times, of Greek philosophy at times, trying to just uh, give the uh, contemporary reader and listener more windows onto the uh, literature of Nursi so that it's not just something of the past but something that's quite current and present for them. So I hope I hope that it was okay. But uh, nevertheless, I, I, uh, today we will begin uh, reading the actual Lama'at Min Shams Tawheed which are uh, Illuminations of the from the sun of of uh, uh, unification or or uh, uh, unity or uh, belief in unity tawhid. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Fi bayani jawahir min khazaini hadhi al-ayat. So the Sheikh is going to explain or explicate to give bayan explication of jawahir of essences or jewels from the treasures khazain of these ayat. Which ayat is he going to give exegesis of? He's going to give exegesis of the following ayat. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Allahu khaliqu kulli shay. Wahu ala kulli shayin wakil. 
Allah Azzawajal creates everything and he is the custodian of everything. لَهُ مَقَالِيدُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He has control over the heavens and the earth. And this is in Zumur, Ayah 62 and Ayah 63. And then, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فسبحان الذي بيده ملكوت كل شيء وإليه ترجعون Praise be to he who has the control over all things and to him and to whom you return And again وإن من شيء إلا عندنا خزائنه For everything we have the the treasure boxes or the or the safes uh, in which in which valuable things uh, are kept and then again ma min dabbatin illa huwa akhidhun binasiyatiha nothing that moves except that he has control over it so this is these are ayat about divine uh, power and divine management uh, and divine control of the universe and uh, this chapter is about these topics يَا أَيُّهَا الْغَافِلِ الْمُنْغَمِسْ فِي الْأَسْبَابِ He is calling the people like myself, whom he calls غافل. غافل is from غفلة. غفلة is to fail to pay attention, to be distracted. Okay? And the غافل is the distracted one. Who is the distracted one? He is the one who is distracted from Allah Azza wa From feeling the reverence for the Creator as He lives amongst the creatures. So if I live in this life paying attention only to the created and never thinking of the Creator, then I am ghafil. So He says, Ya ayyuhal ghafil, He is speaking to the distracted, to people like myself who are often distracted from paying attention to their Creator. المنغمس في الأسباب who is drenched in or right in the middle of أسباب okay? منغمس is to be like a, you, know, you take something you put it in a liquid you, you basically uh, how, what's the English word? submerged yeah. so you are submerged in the أسباب أسباب is the plural of سبب and سبب is often translated cause so you are submerged in the world of causality. What does he say to this distracted person? He says, "Ya ayuha al-ghafil al-munghamis fi al-asbab, inna al-asbab hijabu tasarruf al-qudra." These causes, these asbab, are the veil that are actually, uh, or uh, are the veils that are hiding tasarruf al-qudra, the actual. Um, is very difficult to translate. Al-Qudra is, is the divine power, the divine, the divine ability. And Tasarruf is, is actual manipulation of things, is the actual control of things, is the actual um, will over things. Okay? From Sarafa uh, uh, is to make something move from this side to this side, to direct things from this to that. So the directedness of the power of God. Okay? So this is his definition of causality or causes. Causes are basically the veils that hide okay, the um, directedness or the, di- or, or, the, or the directing 
uh, that that belongs to the power of the of of God. يا أيها الغافل المنغمس في الأسباب إن الأسباب حجاب تصرف القدرة. Okay. Meaning that the power of God is actually controlling things, directing things, and this directedness or this directing is actually hidden away from you and I, okay, through the veils that are called causes. Meaning, behind every cause, there is divine power and, and will and divine uh, management of the universe. And yet, we are distracted in a way by the seeming causes of these things. So that when the fire causes the burning, okay, it looks like the fire is the one that's doing the burning, while in fact it is God's creativity that's actually doing the burning. And the fire is only a cause, an apparent cause. So the fire becomes a veil that hides away the actual activity of the divine. Okay? يا أيها الغافل المنغمس في الأسباب إن الأسباب حجاب تصرف القدرة. Okay, we're not doing so badly, uh, brother Talha. This is two sentences. إذ العزة والعظمة تقتضيان الحجاب. This is because the dignity and the greatness of of Allah Azza wa Jal تقتضيان الحجاب make the veiling necessary. Okay, now. Necessary here has to be taken with a grain of with a with a, with a what do you call it a uh, with a um, sorry a pinch of salt a grain of salt you say is that okay yeah okay uh, meaning th- there is there is no necessity upon Allah Azzawajal it is Allah Azzawajal that makes things necessary or not necessary but for Him nothing is necessary okay. Everything is 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 possible. Of course, uh, there is a, an exception to this, which is called the category of impossibilia. For example, creating a stone that he himself cannot lift—that's that's an impossibility. But it's not an impossibility in the common sense of impossibility. It is because um, such a such a matter would not even fall under. Um, the the uh, will it ca- it cannot even arise, okay. So it is impossible in that sense of not not being able to arise in the first place, and that is why the mashayikh say the uh, the qudra cannot be linked to the impossibilia. It, it cannot here does not mean it's not an inefficiency in the will. It is an impossibility inherent. In the impossibilia, these are things that are impossible. For something, for example, a stone that Allah cannot lift, for example, would be would belong to the world of impossibilia. Okay, and and such a world can never be subject to to will. Okay, but the can never be here is not an inability in the will; it's an impossibility inherent in the thing. I know this is a bit maybe complicated, but the. Uh, but 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 it's an important doctrine in in uh, scholastic exegesis actually not only for muslims but for uh, uh, christian scholasticism even thomas and even jewish uh, scholasticism has dikaraskas and other scholars uh, again this topic is a uh, what do you do with impossibilia and and uh, is everything possible uh, for 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 allah azza wa jal and and yes everything uh, is possible uh, 
except that the impossibilia, okay, which are inherently so because of contradiction, okay, would would not be subject to divine will. لا لا تتعلق بها القدرة. Okay, لا تتعلق بها القدرة. This is not for lack of قدرة. Okay, of, of ability or power, but for the inherent impossibility of the thing itself. Okay, so he says, يا أيها الغافل المنغمس في الأسباب إن الأسباب حجاب تصرف القدرة إذ العزة والعظمة تقتضيان الحجاب. The reason I needed to explain that is because تقتضيان here, okay, make it necessary, does not mean that Allah Azza wa Jal is subjected to necessity. Okay. It, it, because he is, and this is an incredibly important doctrine in Islam, Allah Azza wa Jal is, as per the Quran, fa'alun lima yurid. He does whatever he wills. Okay? So fa'alun lima yurid. That's very, very important. Part of the reason Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and these are the Asha'ira, who are the Shafi'iya and the Malikiya in Aqaid, and the Maturidiya, who are uh, normally the Ahnaf, and also the Hanabila. Uh, and, and we call uh, th- this grouping Ahl Sunnah al Jama'a. Uh, all of them uh, strongly stress this doctrine of Fa'alun Lima Yurid, following the Quran, that Allah does what He wills. You cannot bind Allah Azza wa Jal by something outside of Him. Okay? That's a very important doctrine. This is contrary to the Mu'tazilites or the Mu'tazil school, because the Mu'tazil school. Uh, thought of reason, okay, as being in a way so general, so uh, absolute that it was binding for Allah Himself. So they would say that Allah must do the aslah, that which is best, okay. And the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe that Allah does what He wants and wills, okay, and that that which Allah wills to be good is good. And that which Allah wills to be bad is bad. There is no good or bad outside of Allah that's binding to him. Nor is there a reason that is beyond Allah that's binding to him. It is he who in his utter power, okay, is able to do what he wants and wills. And that's, uh, that's uh, and wants here does not mean deficiency, meaning irada, not uh, need, okay? يا أيها الغافل المنغمس في الأسباب إن الأسباب حجاب تصرف القدرة إذ العزة والعظمة تقتضيان الحجاب. This is I'm just trying to make sure we don't fall into the wrong meaning of تقتضيان. Maybe I've caused the wrong meanings by explicating it, but it's very important that we are careful when speaking about our Lord عز وجل. Okay, سبحانه وتعالى. يا أيها الغافل المنغمس في الأسباب إن الأسباب حجاب تصرف القدرة إذ العزة والعظمة تقتضيان الحجاب So the majesty and the glory or power of, of Allah عز وجل make, makes hijab necessary and all the qualifications I made regarding necessary here okay. لكن المتصرف الفعال هو القدرة الصمدانية that which truly is manipulating things and changing things and directing things and managing things effectively فعال okay. what is that? القدرة الصمدانية the power of the sublime uh, uh, Lord Allah Azza wa Jal okay. so who is the real doer 
maker, changer, manager, controller of everything. It is Allah Azzawajal and only Allah Azzawajal. إِذِ التَّوْحِيدُ وَالْجَلَالِ هَكَذَا يَقْتَضِيَانِ This is because Tawheed, unification of Allah Azzawajal, Waljalal, His glory, His magnificence, His utter power, هَكَذَا يَقْتَضِيَانِ Make that sensible, make that logical, make that necessary. يَقْتَضِيَانِ again. Okay? Having qualified the word, I, I can now use it. إِذْ سُلْطَانِ الْأَزَلِ له مأمورون لكن ليسوا ليسوا وسائط الإجراء حتى يكون شركاء سلطنة الربوبية. Okay. You wanted to stick with the text, Talha. So that's what we're doing. Okay. لكن. Okay. He says it's Sultan al-Azal. له مأمورون. The Sultan, the the Sultan, the ruler of eternity, Allah Azza wa Jal. له مأمورون. He does have. Things or beings or, or entities or causes that he commands. Ma'murun from Amara to command. Commanded beings. Okay? But these are not mediators of procedures. They are not procedural mediators. Meaning they are not the ones who are doing on God's behalf. This is very important. Mediation for Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah is very particular. There is no inherent power in that which mediates. This is contrary to some different schools within within uh, Islam. For example, uh, some of the Mu'tazilites, not all, had that doctrine. And also Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi, this is very clear from his Fisal, Filmilal wal-Nihal, does believe in the taba'i' uh, that are inherent in things. And does, does believe in wasa'it that are of this kind that the shaykh is rejecting. His position is typically Ash'arite and Maturidi, which is Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah. It Sultan al Azal lahu ma'murun, lakin laysu wasa'it al Ijra'. They are not procedural mediators, hatta yakunu shuraka'a sultanat al Rububiyya. For if that happens, they would be partners in the rule of the Lord. Or partners in lordly rule. يكونوا شركاء سلطنة الربوبية. They are not like that. What are they like? بل هم من الدلالين الذين يعلنون إجراءات الربوبية. They are mere callers who point out the procedures that are actually made by the lordship himself. Okay, meaning, and the word here is dalal. Dalal is, I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with this concept, but in the gold market, he's somebody who doesn't own the jewelry, and he's not buying the jewelry, but simply is a, is a, is a middleman who, who gets a commission for just pointing the buyer to the seller. A kind of uh, salesperson, a, tra- a kind of a, a, a salesperson that travels back and forth in the old bazaars and souks. So in the gold market in Istanbul, there would be this Dallal. Okay? And the Dallal was a trusted person, but he was neither the buyer nor the seller. Nor did he have money, nor did he have the efficacy. Who has the efficacy? It was the owner or the person who's doing the buying. But the Dallal himself didn't have anything. Okay, so he uses this word dalal, and dalal is from dalla yadullu dilalatan 
which means their sole role is to indicate. So he sees the mediators or the causes as mere indicators, okay? They are signifiers, indicators, but they are not actually things that have efficacy in themselves. That's a very important doctrine. Again, this is very Ash'ari, very Maturidi, okay? And also very Hanbali, except the Hanabila don't like to talk about it. So they don't actually have a, a highly developed kalam or ilm kalam, but the Ash'ari and the Maturidiya do. This is because of the geography of the madahib. The, the, uh, the Shafi'iyya and the, uh, and the Ahnaf we had to encounter many other civilizations and philosophical schools and theological disputations, and so they developed a very intricate kalam. While the Hanabila stuck with, with the Athar, except for some schools of uh, the Hanabila, like in, in Baghdad, where, where they did develop a, a, a fairly developed kalam, but a very textually centered one. But this is another complicated story that maybe we can uh, come back to at another point. So he's saying about the mediators, al-wasa'it, he says, لَكِنْ لَيْسُ وَسَائِطَ الْإِجْرَاءِ حَتَّى يَكُونُوا شُرَكَاءَ سَلْطَنَةِ الرُّبُوبِيَةِ Okay? They are not mediators in procedures so as to become the partners of the lordly power or lordly rule. بَلْ هُمْ مِنَ الدَّلَّلِينَ الَّذِينَ يُعْلِنُونَ إِجْرَاءَاتِ الرُّبُوبِيَةِ They are mere indicators who simply announce the procedures and the processes made by the Lord Himself, Azza wa Jal. وَمِنَ النُّظَّارِ الَّذِينَ يُشَاهِدُونَ وَيَشْهَدُونَ They are amongst those who are looking from nadara, yanzuru, nadaran, fahwa, nadir, wahwa, when he does a lot of nadar, minan nuddar, minal fu'al. It's an exaggerated form. Okay? So, hatta wa minan nuddar, alladina yushahidun wa yashhadun. Nadar is to actually contemplate something. It is equivalent to the Greek theoria. Okay? And that is the word, the Greek word from which theory comes, and theatrician, and theorizing. It is to contemplate mentally, to actually look upon something, to gaze about, uh, upon a thing such that the essence of the thing would be intellected by you. That is the definition of nadar. That is why the Muslim thinkers were in Abbasid period and after were called nuddar. Okay? And each one of them was nadir, uh, uh, all of them were called nuddar. All right? And that's why Imam Ghazali calls his book on logic Mihak al-Nadhar. The, 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 the stone with which you test Nadhar to make sure that you're looking in the right way. Okay? The Mihak is a stone that you use to scratch a piece of metal to see if it's gold or not. Okay? So it's a test stone of sorts. So it's, the book is called Mihak al-Nadhar. And the plural of those who do or practice Nadhar is Nuddhar. So he says that these causes, these asbab, are actually nuddar. They are gazers who look upon, okay, things, who, who see things. Alladina yushahiduna. They, they look, yushahiduna is to, is to be intellect, to, to contemplate, to cognize, okay. And what happens then? Wa yashhaduna. And then they witness. 
So I see and I witness. So I see first, and that is nadar, that gives me mushahada, gives me shuhud, okay? And then, wa and witness. And this function of witnessing is extremely important. That part of the reason there are causes, or the wisdom in having causes, is to have these entities, these mediators, that on, not only indicate Allah Azza wa but also look upon and gaze upon his glorif- glorious creativity and witness to it and say, look at the greatness of your Lord. So these signs, and again we come back to these ayat or signs, these signs are not only indicative, they're actually indicative to themselves in that they have shuhud, and they are indicative to others in that they ask others to look. They ask others to acknowledge. They ask others to say, yes, this is our Lord Allah Azza wa who created all this. Okay? So they are both shahid. Okay, they are both shahid and mushahid. First mushahid they see, and then they are shahid. Tamam? وَمِنَ النُّظَّارِ الَّذِينَ يُشَاهِدُونَ وَيَشْهَدُونَ وَيَكْتَسِبُونَ فِي الْإِنْقِيَادِ لِلْأَوَامِرِ التَّكْوِينِيَّةِ عِبَادَاتٍ تُنَاسِبُ اسْتِعْدَادَاتِهِمْ And as they obey the creative orders of Allah Azza wa Jal, in their obedience to the creative orders of Allah Azza wa Jal, they actually gain acts of worship this witnessing that we're talking about is a kind of act it's, it is an act of worship which they gain not through anything intrinsic that they do but through Allah Azzawajal gifting them with this okay they have kasp and this is an ash'ari term which he uses here yaktasibuna okay they gain through kasp through the obedience al-inqiyad lil-awamir obedience to the orders at-takwiniya the constitutive or creative orders of Allah Azza wa Jal through this obedience they gain worship that is appropriate for their competence for their readiness isti'dad okay and the plural is isti'dadat okay so they have a kind of readiness or competence, okay? And through this competence, they obey the constitutive, creative orders of their Lord. And this obedience becomes again to them, a cusp to them, and becomes an act of worship for them of their maker. A little bit convoluted, but you get the idea, I hope. Okay? فهذه الوسائط لإظهار عزة القدرة وحشمة الربوبية and this is the conclusion so these mediators or these middle entities are entities that are there in order to manifest لإظهار from ظهور ظهر يظهر ظهورا إظهار is to make 
to make manifest, okay? Izzat al-Qudra, the, 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 the glory or the magnificence of the power of Allah Azza wa Jal, wa hishmat al-Rububiyyah, and hishma is a, is a very uh, interesting word. Hishma is, is, comes from modesty, from, from adab, or from uh, uh, being well-mannered, uh, being in, in, uh, in a, uh, uh, being subtle, okay? Being not flagrant, being not uh, so um, obvious, okay? There is a kind of subtlety, okay? Lordship, he's saying, has a subtlety. As if lordship is, it, it, it manifests itself, but also hides itself. It, it, it manifests as it hides, and it hides as it manifests. And this dialectic between disclosure and hiddenness is something that he says is intrinsic to this lordship of Allah Azza wa That's a beautiful concept. You know, as uh, one of the sages, I think it is Ibn Atallah Sakandari Azza Rahmatullah Ali, Ibn Atallah Sakandari Rahmatullah Ali says, um, كيف يخفيه شيء وهو الظاهر في كل شيء How can anything hide him when he is manifest in everything? Okay. No. And uh, Nifari Rahmatullah Ali says ما أقربك مني وما أبعدني عنك Oh how close you are to me and how distant I am from you. You know, this, this, this dialectic is very, very important. And, and khafa, uh, you know, and, and dhuhur uh, uh, is, is something that, that, that is always happening in life. So sometimes, you know, you, the same sky you see every day, but sometimes you, you have a feeling of manifestation of, of glory, of creativity, of... And and you and and, and a, a disclosure that's so grand, you know, that at other times you do not see. And it's if it were always duhur, it would be a big problem. And if it was always, if it were always khafa, it would be a problem. But this dialectic between manifestation and hiddenness is extremely important, just as the dialectic between night and day is very important. Okay. So he's saying that the wasait or the these uh, mediating causes are actually there for manifesting the magnificence of the power of the Lord at the same time his hiddenness and subtlety azzawajal okay so we finished the paragraph brother Talha which is great progress I think now you're going to become famous this is going on YouTube وَأَمَّا السُّلْطَانَ الْإِنْسَانِ فَلِعَجْزِهِ وَاحْتِيَاجِهِ يحتاج إلى وسائط ومأمورين يشتركون في سلطنته فلا مناسبة بين المأمور الإلهي والإنساني. What we discussed or described was the power and the lordship of Allah Azza wa Jal. If we compare it to worldly power, the sultan of the insan, the power of a mere human being, we'll see that the insan or the human being does need mediators who are actually doing things on, on his or her behalf. 
This is because he has incapacity. Because he has need. He needs ila wasait. He needs mediators and people who go by his command or orders, employees for example, or helpers or or uh, people who or friends if you're requesting, okay? They have a share, a partnership in his lordship. So if there is a king, yes he rules, but the human king shares some of his kingship with his wazir or with his minister. And the minister shares with his second in command and that one shares with the eventual soldiers and so on. So everybody kind of empowers the, the, the other by losing a bit of his power, sharing that power in a way, delegating that power. But in the case of Allah Azza wa as he creates these mediators, these causalities, or these causes, there is no sharing of power in the sense of giving away any of his power. On the contrary, Allah's power is ultimate and absolute, and nothing has power except Allah Azza wa That is the meaning of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, as we had explained in a previous session. There is no capacity, no power, except through Allah Azza wa so that is the difference between the Sultan Rabbani or Ilahi and the Sultan Insani. The power that is lordly power and human power. وَأَمَّا Sultan Al-Insani فَلِعَزِّهِ وَاحْتِيَاجِهِ Because he has incapacity and he has need. يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى وَصَائِطِ He has a need for mediators. وَمَأْمُورِينَ Those are commanded by him. يَشْتَرِكُونَ Who share. While Allah Azza wa Jal has no sharer. لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ he has no sharer. في سلطنته in his power فلا مناسبة فلا مناسبة there is no comparison بين المأمور الإلهي والإنساني between that which is ordered by Allah عز وجل and that which is ordered by a mere human being. And this لا مناسبة is extremely important. You know we are humans so we use human language. If we, if we were Martians we would be using Martian language. You know? But we're human, and, and uh, we have to use human language. And when Allah Azza wa Jal, in His infinite mercy upon us and compassion, chose to speak to us and to show us the way, He sent us a human being, a Prophet وسلم, who spoke to us in our own language, in Arabic, okay, in a human language. Okay? Because we are spoken to in a human language, we are, and we are spoken to of things divine, of things that are beyond human beings. We must always make allowance for this. We must understand that when we make analogies, we must remember that لِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى That for Allah Azza wa Jal, He's got the ultimate beyond all analogy. He's, he transcends analogy. Okay? There is no mithal. There is nothing like him. So we inevitably liken him to creaturely things by the mere language that we use, by the very mere fact that we use human language, there is a likening that's happening. You know? So when we use human language of Allah Azza wa Jal, inevitably we fall into some sort of likening. Okay? 
but you need to take that lightning, that, sorry, that light lightning with, with a, with, again, with a grain of salt. You need to take that lightning with a qualifier, an overarching qualifier, an ultimate qualifier that dismisses any possibility of anthropomorphism or comparing him to his creatures. Meaning, you must have the, 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 have ready the overarching rule, which is Quranic, nothing is like him. So whenever a thought or word or expression likens him to anything human, you must immediately smash away the likening by remembering that there is no likeness unto him. This is the fundamental doctrine of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah when it comes to Sifat, okay? Or the, or the attributes or the characteristics of Allah Azza wa Jal. Expressions of Sifat, yes, we take them as they are. And we do not in any way twist them or, or change them. That is why it is, we are not allowed to speak of Allah Azza wa Jal except the way he spoke of himself. To his selected creature, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu in his ultimate book, the Quran, which is Hudan wa Rahmal Alameen. But as we use these expressions of Allah Azza wa we must always remember that Laysa Kamitlihi Shay. That is that is very, very important. To fall into tashbih or tajseem actually is a form of kufr wal billah. To actually fall into likening him to his creatures, okay? Making him human, making him anthropomorphic, okay? Or tazim, or making him bodily, <coughs> carnal, okay? Is for us kufr, wal'iyadu billah, okay? That is the doctrine of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah, and it's extremely important. There is no mixing of the Creator with the created. The attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal, though human language is used, must always transcend humanity, must always be beyond any human likeness. That is very important, very, very important. It is many ways, one of the, I would say one third of Ilmul Kalam is this. Okay? It's very important. And there is a huge literature on responding to the Mujassima and the Mushabbiha and so on, you know, from Subki to the great Juwaini to Fakhr Razi to great books written on this. وَأَمَّا السُّلْطَانِ الْإِنسَانِ فَلِعَزِّهِ وَاحْتِيَاجِهِ يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى وَصَائِطْ وَمَأْمُورِينَ يَشْتَرِكُونَ فِي سَلْطَنَتِهِ فَلَا مُنَاسَبَةِ بَيْنَ الْمَأْمُورِ الْإِلَاهِ وَالْإِنسَانِ لَا مُنَاسَبَةِ There is no comparison. You cannot, you know, you cannot make comparison between the two kinds of mediation here. Okay? نَعَمْ إِنَّذَرَ أَكْثَرُ الْغَافِلِينَ لا يدرك حسن الحادثات ولا يعرف حكمتها فيشتكي بلا حق ويعترض جهلا فوضعت الأسباب لتتوجه الشكاوى إليها وإذا وفق أحد لدرك الحكمة والحق ارتفعت الأسباب عن نظره He says yes when people are distracted and um, cannot see the beauty in all that happens and the wisdom in all that happens, 
they will be complaining. So it's better that they complain against what they think is the cause than to complain about their maker. So it's almost like a buffer okay, for complaining. Okay? So when we want to complain and nag, we nag against those causes that are somehow buffering so that we are not seeing the divine power that's creating all this. However, for those who do see the wisdom, okay, for those who can comprehend that there is always a wisdom, even if we cannot see it, okay, then all asbab irtafa'at, meaning become suspended in a sense. They can see through the causality, okay? They can see through the causes, okay? And their contemplation is always of their creator. So this is a very important thing. So sometimes, um, for example, when, and I used this example before, you're giving an injection at the hospital to a child for immunization, they do not see the wisdom in it. And they cry, you know, very loudly. And uh, if you are a very sensitive parent, it's very easy to, you know, cringe from, the, from even seeing the, the child get the injection. But if you do see the wisdom in having that injection, then in the very pain that you are seeing, you, you can actually, you are pleased that you finally immunized the child and, uh, and, and did not, um, how can I say, miss the time, as often happens with parents, you know, they're, you know, they're a week late and they're, they're freaking out because they think that they're too late, you know, and it's a, so there is this comfort that you feel as a parent, though you can see that there is pain. So sometimes when you see the wisdom in things, there is a soothing feeling that you have. And that is the nadar of the wise ones, the sages who see wisdom in all that happens, who see wisdom in all that happens. It does not mean that they are tranquilized and not trying to improve the situation. But in their attempts to improve the situation, they're not so intoxicated with their own judgment that when they fail, they, that they feel so depressed and bad. It's very easy to feel depressed when things are not going well, despite all the attempts that you're making. Very easy to feel depressed. But depression is of shaitan, it is not a holy feeling. If you are truly a believer in Allah's infinite power, you should not be depressed. Because all that happens is ultimately His doing. And if you, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have a God that simply responds to your wants and needs as you see fit. That wouldn't be a true God, would it? A, a true God is, is someone who has infinite power and someone which, by definition, you cannot control. So some people, you know, when they do prayers, they think of, of the divine as almost like they do prayers in a vending machine mode. I do my dua, then where is my coke, you know? I did my I did my thing. Where is my where is what, what you know? And it's a, it's as if they're trading, you know, and it's a, it's it's the wrong way of, of doing dua. You know, you do dua because you were asked to, and because you have to, and because it is a form of gratitude to the one who made you, and because Allah told you that He likes to hear you doing dua, so you do it for all those reasons. And yes, you want the thing that you do dua for. But you must be careful not to try to force the divine into the way you want the response to come. 
So the response as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa explains, may come in ways that you do not foresee. Or may come in warding off bad things that would have happened to you. Or may come in the hereafter, in, in, uh, after the day of judgment. And, but inevitably, Allah azza wa does come through. Except, He likes to surprise us. He doesn't come through the way we want Him to come through, simply because He doesn't do our bidding. He does not obey us, we obey Him. So sometimes people, even religious people, inadvertently end up, you know, not being properly um, directed towards their maker. It's almost as if they want to possess their God rather than be possessed by him. And that is a very important mistake that is often made in religiosity. Not only in dua, but sometimes even in ideologies. When I want God to be used as an instrument against my opponent in political elections, for example. That is, that is a, 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 a disrespectful attitude towards Allah Azza wa You know? It's when you, when you want to instrumentalize your very maker. Where you, where you want your maker to be at your bidding, that you just ask and, and you get what you want, the way you want it. That is not a proper abd-rab uh, relationship. You are the servant, he is the Lord. You must maintain the freedom of Allah Azza wa You know, today people always speak of human rights, my rights, you know. What about divine rights? Allah Azza wa has rights. And what, the most important right that he has is that he be worshipped alone. That you don't take other entities or beings or, 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 uh, or, or anything and, and uh, worship it uh, besides him. That, that exclusiveness belongs to him. That's his right. Okay? And what is your right? And this is in hadith actually. What is your right? It's, your right is that if he does that, uh, sorry, if you do that, if you make sure that you worship only him, okay, that he would give you Jannah. And notice, it's not your inherent right. It is a right that he chose to give to you. So your rights are actually based on his rights. And that is incredibly important, that human rights are actually based on the fact that he created us. And he endowed us with rights. And he said, this is my create, uh, uh, creation. Do not kill him. Do not torture him. Do not disrespect him. Do not insult him. Do not fail to give him when he asks you for water or for food or for shelter. So your respect for his creature, okay, is a sign of respect for the one who created him. So to tell me that you are a religious person and that you, you worship the creator and at the same time humiliate his creation and kill his creation and torture his creation and destroy his creation, what kind of worship is this? I mean, if you truly worship the creator, then you must respect the rights that the Creator has. And one of the rights the Creator has is the right that you do not injure or in any way insult or humiliate or degrade His creation. So it is not that there is no human rights in Islam. There are human rights in Islam, but they are based on the solid foundation of divine endowment. 
It is because Allah endowed us with all these rights, endowed his creatures with all these rights, that no human being can take them away. They're absolute. Their absoluteness comes from the absoluteness of Allah himself, not from the United Nations or from a, a, a human parliament or from a committee that writes it, but from the absoluteness of Allah himself. It is he who made the killing of one soul equivalent to the killing of all of humanity. And it is he who made the giving of life to one soul, to the thirsty, to the, to the hungry, okay, to the needy, and likened it to the, to the giving to the whole of humanity. So this is very serious stuff. Meaning, life should be a process of taking care of divine rights, of Allah's rights. That is why Imam Muhasbi, when he wanted to write a book about the spiritual life, he called it Ar-Ri'aya Li-Hukuqillah. Minding Allah's rights. Okay? Why? Because all the adab of Islam, all the ethics of Islam, all the values of Islam are really about minding Allah's rights. And, and a set of rights that are very important for Allah are the rights of his create, create, creatures. Not inherent in themselves, but because Allah endowed them with these rights, they become absolute, these rights. Absolute, not humanly absolute, but because of the absoluteness of the one who gave them to us. So no human being can take them away. Okay? وَقَدْ قِيلَ بِتَمْثِيلٍ مَعْنَوِيٍ And it has been said through a, a kind of virtual analogy. إِنَّ عِزْرَائِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ That Israel, the angel of death, عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ اشْتَكَ إِلَيْهِ تَعَالَى He, he, uh, he اشْتَكَ إِلَيْهِ تَعَالَى he, he complained to Allah Azza wa Jal بِأَنَّ عِبَادَكَ يَشْتَكُونَ مِنِّي فِي قَبْضِ الْأَرْوَاحِ Your servants complain and say that I'm taking away their souls. فَأُلْقِيَ إِلَيْهِ So he was told إِنِّي أَضَعُ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُمْ وَصَائِطَ الْمُصِيبَاتِ حَتَّى يَتَوَجَّهَ شَكْوَاهُمْ إِلَيْهَا لَا إِلَيْكَ I shall put between you and them all these calamities as mediators so that they would complain about the calamities and not complain about you. It is an athar which is in حِلْيَةِ الْأَوْلِيَاء and in Suyuti and in Hakim al-Tarmidhi. And uh, the, the, the point is Perhaps our weak minds do need these barriers, these mediations, these uh, causalities, so that we can complain about this causality or that causality. But as we become more and more mature in life, we achieve a state of rida, of contentment with Allah Azza wa Jal. Okay? Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna, irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyya. This is the ultimate nafs, the nafsul mutma'inna, where it is content with Allah, and Allah is content with it, so that there is no more complaining. If I calculate the percentage of complaining in my own day, I'll find that maybe 70% of my day is complaining, complaining about this and complaining about that, and worrying about this and worrying about that, and, and uh, frustration of, of feeling, why is this not happening, though I'm doing this, as if we control things, you know? The fact of the matter is, he himself, Allah Azza wa controls all things. Yes, we are ordered. To, to work hard and to do our best 
what 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 they now call in management uh, uh, language due diligence you know we have to have due diligence but just because you have due diligence doesn't mean that things will happen the way you want them to happen and it's extremely important not to feel frustrated i say this to you but it's really i'm, I'm saying it mainly to me because i think I, i'm probably the most guilty in this room of this kind of attitude this all continuous complaining while in fact a Muslim is supposed to be in constant shukr or gratitude. As a matter of fact, shukr or gratitude is the very essence of Islam. Imma shakiran wa imma kafura, as it says in the Quran. Either a, 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 a grateful or kafur, you know, from kufr, kafur, fa'ul, which is the exaggerated form of, of kafara, you know. So, a uh, kafir, kafur is the one who does kufr a lot, okay. So that's a very bad state. So look at the contrast. It's not Iman Kufr, it is Shukur Kufr. This is strange, you say, why is that? It's because Iman is Shukur. Okay? Islam is Shukur. Ihsan is Shukur. As a matter of fact, feeling grat- grateful to Allah Azza wa is the very essence of being a Muslim. So that the ibadat become not like vending machine ibadat where I'm doing this to get that but they become continuous gratitude. You do salat because you want to say thank you to Allah Azza wa You give zakat because you want to say thank you to Allah Azza wa You do siyam because you want to say thank you to Allah Azza wa You do hajj because you want to say thank you to Allah Azza wa Arkanul Islam are arkanul shukr. Okay? And the contrary of shukr is kufr wal billah. So if I measure myself with that measure and ask myself, how grateful am I in my life? I find that I fail miserably, you know? I fail miserably. I, I am often not grateful enough. Though we start every salat with Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah. And we begin every speech with Alhamdulillah, you know? And we begin every khutbah with Alhamdulillah. And we teach our kids, you know, say Bismillah, say Alhamdulillah after you finish. But as we teach our kids, even today, I was saying to my little daughter, say alhamdulillah, say alhamdulillah. But how, how much am I implementing this myself? How hamid am I? How much do I really say alhamdulillah? It's very easy to take a big misbahan, look pious and say alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. But do I really say alhamdulillah with my being? <coughs> do I say alhamdulillah in my deeds? Do I say Alhamdulillah? Do I sleep content at night that Allah Azza wa Jal has blessed me? As Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, if you have a house that in which you're sheltered and if you have food that is keeping you from being hungry and, and uh, you have the, 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 the whole dunya, جُمِعَتْ لَهُ الدُّنْيَا بِحَذَافِيرِيَا You have collected all of that can be collected in, in, in dunya. Meaning, what more do you want? How many beds can you sleep on at the same time? How many cars can you drive at the same time? I mean, when we had horses, you could ride two horses at the same time if you are a great knight, but you can't drive two cars at the same time. It's very difficult, you know? So how many houses will you, can you stay in at the same time? How many? And, and, and yet we, we are so driven by this want, 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 and feeling miserable and feeling that we're deficient, that we don't have... Though we have, we have plenty, you know, we have plenty. How can we achieve this rida, this contentment? We can achieve it through only one way, and that is to ask Allah Azza wa Jal for it. 
This is not something you manufacture or you, you, you know, you can say it with your tongue, but ask for it. Ask for rida. Because if you get rida, then there is, you don't need anything anymore. Rida is the very absence of feeling of need, you know. So it, it comes when you have the ultimate feeling of need, and that is the, the need for Allah only, Azzawajal. As Ibn Atallah secondary says, Ilahi, ana al-faqiru fi ghinaya, fa la akunu faqiran fi faqri? I am poor in my richness. How can I not be poor in my poverty? If we achieve this state of feeling your very poverty and you're in the midst of your richness, poverty for Allah Azza wa Jal, not for things of this dunya, then that is the ultimate richness. Al-Hasilu, he says in conclusion, Rahmatullahi alayhi, إن العزة والعظمة تقتضيان وضع الأسباب الظاهرية لرد شكايات الباطلة. The glory and the uh, greatness of Allah Azza wa Jal necessitate the putting in the middle of causes that are apparent so as to be a barrier okay, when it comes to the false complaints of creatures. ولئلا يرى العقل الظاهري مباشرة هذه القدرة بالأمور الخسيسة الجزئية and so that this art, uh, superficial intellect or mind does not see the, the, the hand of divine power in things that are of minute or micro or, or uh, base uh, level ولكن التوحيد والجلال يردان أيدي الأسباب عن التأثير الحقيقي however true unification of Allah Azza wa Jal and His glory actually ward away or ward off okay, the causes from having true efficacy. So true efficacy belongs only to Allah Azza wa Jal. And when we have difficulties with our hearts, we should revert to the hadith, the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he asks Allah Azza wa Jal and he says, Allahumma ati nufusana taqwaha Give our nufus awe, taqwa, you know, and cleanse these nufus because you are the best of cleansers. You are the one uh, to whom these nufus belong and you are the lord of these, of these nufus. So it's incredibly important in our prayers and at the end of this uh, dars and in all of our lives that we wrench our heart out, put it between our hands and give it back to Allah Azza wa Jal and say, I am not able to deal with this heart. I'm not able to purify it or cleanse it. I have emotions that I cannot get rid of. I have hatred. I have feeling of arrogance. I have feeling of greed. I cannot deal with these emotions. You take these emotions, you get rid of them, Allah Azza wa Jal, because you made this heart and you can make a new heart for me. Give me a new heart that is pure, that is kind, that is full of love and compassion. That's the, es- the very essence of Islam, the deen of al-Rahmatul Muhdah, the gifted compassion. Allahumma aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li kafatul muslimin wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-Ali al-Azim wa sallallahu wa sallam ala khatam al-Anbiya al-Mursaleen Muhammad al-Sadiq al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslima kathira. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.